Thank you for listening to Grain to Plate, a podcast where we explore everything from the first grain to the final plate. This is episode 2.5. Yes, that's right. The revolution is here. Now, if you're like myself, an African-American male in his mid-30s, you heard firsthand accounts of members of your family fighting for the equality that we enjoy today. And like the food revolution that we spoke about at the March Against Monsanto, a lot of the revolution and protest and uprising that happened within the African-American community evolved around food to be able to sit, dine, and experience everything food, no matter your skin color. Now, while this recent revolution has nothing to do with one's race, it has everything to do with the right to have access to affordable, safe food. Now, I know from personal experience from seeing my own father perpetually harassed due to the color of his skin. And while, even though, I will admit, my father was no saint, he was one of the last of a dying breed of hustlers. Always had an angle, most were illegal. However, the harassment that I witnessed firsthand due to the color of his skin went far beyond that. Yes, my father battled drug addiction and moral choices. Yes, my father is an army veteran and a recipient of the Purple Heart Award. And yes, while he was all of those things, he did have moments of clarity and sobriety. And it was when I saw that harassment due to the color of his skin during those times of clarity and sobriety that hurt the most. And yes, I know his struggles and the struggles of my family in the deep south of Louisiana are in a completely different plane from the current struggles of those that are rallying against GMOs and those that are demanding that all food be affordable and safe, it is in the spirit of the injustices that they faced and the fact that they taught me that no injustice and that no group of people that feel that they are powerless to a larger entity should go ignored. And it is with that why we find this revolution against GMOs to be so compelling. Right now we're in a food revolution, which is the age-old argument, science versus beliefs. Now, however, the big difference in this debate is that the beliefs also have science that back them up. So really, you're looking at two very scientific arguments. And that main argument involves GMOs. Now in episode two, I did close with the fact that after attending and reporting on the March Against Monsanto in Las Vegas, Nevada, I walked away with a feeling that there was inconsistencies and concerns from both sides of the argument. Now I'm here to report that after reaching out to both sides, this is where we stand. From the March Against Myths side, Dr. Carl Harl von Mogel responded to all of our questions. Our main point of concern were overlaps in timelines and connections between his expertise and where he studied versus the actions of Monsanto. He was very open and honest and answered all of our questions. He pointed out the faults that we had and provided us points that allowed us to dismiss our concerns. Yet, however, like with any group, questions will always still remain, and we trust that his organization will be more than willing to answer these questions. Now, as of now, he has not agreed to a formal interview, but through our series, we will pose more questions to not just his group, but groups of similar interest. Now, in terms of the original group that started the March Against Monsanto, GMO Free Las Vegas, and its former leader, Angie Morelli, she did respond to her Facebook posting in question 
that we did not have the facts correct. However, she did not go into full detail, and requests to speak to her has not been answered as of today. So where does that leave us? Well, the problem is, is as mentioned, both sides have scientific facts on why they are right. And it should also be mentioned that the anti-GMO side has very deep and personal reasons for why they fight against GMOs, like Monsanto, use in modern farming. Every fiber of that product, every fiber of that product has Roundup. It's infused in the DNA. That's why your immune system can't recognize it. And then when you eat it, your immune system is fighting the filthy crap you call food. The filthy crap you call food, your immune system fights. That's why my niece died at 38 from her liver going. Because of your poison. Your poison food. Your poison food killed my niece and my nephew needs a liver. My 37-year-old nephew needs a liver. And you killed my niece. But the kidneys and the liver can't do their function. And the counter-argument from the pro-GMO side is always very scientific and well-spoken. Papaya is, is one, the rainbow papaya. Uh, with the fungus that was going around that was killing the Hawaiian papaya, they, they genetically altered one, and it's called the rainbow papaya. They were going extinct. Now, there's a small sect of, of organic papaya growers that they, they enjoy something that's kind of akin to herd immunity, like with vaccinations. Because all the, all the other plants are GMOs that are around them, it gives them a ring of protection against that fungus. That's how the organic papaya is able to still grow. Otherwise, Otherwise, they would have been decimated. Okay. GMOs saved the Hawaiian papaya, and they can save other, other stuff. The Cavendish banana, banana is in danger right now. So, you know, GMOs are, GMOs are amazing. And I, I stand with science, and that's all there is to it. And if that was a little too technical for you millennials and those on the cusp, here's a familiar voice to explain exactly what the protester from March Against Myths was talking about. This is an organically grown papaya, a tropical fruit. This particular one is infected with the very common ring spot virus. Now, people eat papayas like this all the time. This is a papaya that's been genetically modified so that it has a tiny piece of the DNA from that very same ring spot virus embedded in its DNA. It's immune or resistant to ring spot infection. So which one do you want to eat? The natural one with lots of ring spot virus DNA or the modified one with just a little bit of that very same DNA? It's the classic dilemma of natural versus modified. Is it good versus evil? Or is it just another step in the march of agricultural progress? Yes, the one and only Bill Nye, who recently came under fire for changing his positions on GMOs. Yet again, he did so with complete and hard-hitting scientific data. Now, this argument has been in the political landscape for quite some time even as far back as 1994, when then-just-Senator Bernie Sanders spoke out about the revolution against GMOs and the courage of Vermont. Mr. Speaker, I'm delighted to inform you that yesterday the Vermont State Legislature became the first in the nation to require labeling of all milk products which come from BST-injected cows, and the governor has indicated that he will sign that bill. Given the fact that the multi-billion dollar Monsanto Chemical Company has enormous political clout, as shown by their ability to push this product past the FDA, 
This is an act of great courage on the part of the Vermont State Legislature and should be greeted with enthusiasm by family, farmers, consumers, and all citizens. Which again, years later was countered by current Democratic nominee, Secretary Hillary Clinton. There's also a right to have the best science. You know, what is the science that is really at work here? Because there are a lot of advocates who fight hunger in Africa who are desperate for GMO seeds because they are drought resistant and they don't know how else they're going to get enough yield. Which still leaves us at science versus an uprising, which the core of the debate comes back to one of the attendees at the March Against Monsanto that took place in Las Vegas at a fundamental question that he had about our current food system. And, um, you know, once, once our food was organic, and I don't know, my, sometimes I ask myself why you know, now f organic food is getting more expensive than uh, regular food. Supposed to be like years ago, our food was organic. So, and it was, I don't, I don't remember it was that expensive. So yeah, something wrong with this and I wanna find what is, what is, gonna, what is happening here. And again, to answer that concern, with science, were attendees of the March Against Myths. Yeah. He was asking about keeping food affordable. Right, so yeah. keeping food affordable, right. That's a really good point. Uh, so being afraid of GMOs is a very, a lot of people would say, first world problem. I, even in the absence of any evidence of their harm and, and their ability to, to provide nutrients to starving kids in third world countries, for example, golden rice, putting vitamin A in rice to prevent blindness, uh, it, it keeps food affordable and nutritious for people who can't afford it otherwise. That's like one example. So does it boil down? to the concerns for public safety, a question raised by Senator Sanders. Association. There is a great need for this information because there has never been mandatory human clinical trials of genetically engineered crops. No tests for its possibility of causing cancer or for harm to fetuses. No long-term testing for human health risks. No requirement for long-term testing on animals and only limited allergy testing. What this means is that for all intent and purposes, the long-term health study on GE food is being done on the American people. We are the clinical test. And has that concern been answered by Bill Nye? So the thing is, uh, there's no, the genetically modified food has no effect on us. I mean, that is to say there's no difference between it and organically raised food. This is scientifically provable. Okay. It's certainly provable to my satisfaction. And uh, that's like the most straightforward thing about it is to see if it still is nutritious and see if, see if it has any allergic effect. And it absolutely does not. And in fact, in general, all of these foods are more nutritious. But where does that leave us, the consumer? And that is the fundamental question that we want to ask. Well, we're just beginning our family's journey of learning about Monsanto and the chemicals in our food and how to make our family better, our chem I mean, our children's health better for the future. And so did you bring your daughter here so that way she can see? Yes, absolutely. Example? So what do you think the future is for Monsanto being the fact that they can be possibly absorbed by fans? 
I think that, well, I hope that uh, we will come to a point to where they're abolished. Now from the same Facebook posting that we reported earlier, posted by Angie Morelli, within that post, one of the reasons that was stated for no longer organizing a march against Monsanto in Las Vegas was that it was time for the revolution to be rebranded. A movement to encourage people to grow your own produce as a way to ensure that your produce was GMO-free. But is that practical? And does it benefit the students and the community that are involved in the movement? We will continue our series that has been inspired by the March Against Monsanto, a series where we will explore the science and the personal beliefs of this debate. Now, while recording this, this Sunday, 50 people lost their lives. While this story is on the revolution happening within our current food culture, we cannot deny the fact that those in the LGBT community have been in a revolution for personal freedoms for quite some time. So in closing, we want to leave you with the one voice that was sadly struck down too soon. A voice of a man who put himself in the forefront of that revolution and in an audio recording to be played in the event of his assassination left a timeless message. Now, while the audio might not be clear, the message is the voice is Harvey Milk and the message is how a group of people can stand up against senseless violence. I have never considered myself a candidate. I have always considered myself part of a movement, part of a candidacy. I've considered the movement of the candidate. And I think that I wish I had time to explain everything I did. Almost everything was done in the eyes of the gay movement. The other aspect of this tape is the obvious and is what should happen if there is an assassination and there is cannot prevent it because some people from getting angry and frustrated and mad, but I hope they would take that anger and frustration and madness instead of demonstrating or anything of that type. I hope they take it to positive and I just hope five, ten, a hundred thousand would rise. I'd love to see every gay doctor come out. I'd love to see every gay lawyer, every gay judge, every gay bureaucrat, every gay architect come out. Stand up and let the world know that would do more to end prejudice overnight than anybody could have imagined. Urge them to do that. Urge them to come out. It's only that way Thank you for listening to episode 2.5, The Revolution is Here. This episode was produced by myself, Jonathan Tatum.